One of the sure signs that Christmas is upon us is the presence of Christmas lights. There is a strong standing tradition of lights being associated with Christmas. Christmas trees were originally decorated with lighted candles that were uh, attached to the tree by means of wire and held in place. Candles were placed on windowsills to provide a warm and uh, welcoming uh, Christmas invitation. Later, with the invention of electricity, uh, lights replaced the candles on Christmas trees, and then with greater advancements in electricity and bulbs, etc., finally those decorations moved outside, and outdoor Christmas trees were decorated, lights and porches, and now lights are everywhere. A light is associated with the narrative of Jesus' birth. The shepherds were engulfed in a great light. Of course, the wise men, coming later, were uh, following a star that gave light to them and guided them to uh, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The lights that are used even in worship have long been associated with Christmas. The Advent wreath that you see up here with the lighting of the candles has been used since the early 1600s to tell the story of Christ's coming. Each week prior to Christmas, a particular candle is lit, speaking of the light, and then progressively, as we get closer to Christmas, another uh, candle is lit, and then still another, progressing, demonstrating that the light is becoming clearer, brighter, uh, more comprehensive. And then, of course, you have the candle of the different color that represents the actual birth and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a prophecy in the book of Isaiah that reads, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light shone. And that prophecy is referred to in Matthew chapter 4 as being fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is that light that is spoken of in the Old Testament. Jesus referred to himself as light. That was our call to worship this morning, John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will walk not in dark, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this morning, we're going to look at this theme of Jesus as the light. We are starting in John chapter one, verses one to four, but we're not staying there by any means. I'm not really exegeting this passage, but rather I'm taking an overview look in the book of John of what we find out about Jesus uh, as the light and people's response to Jesus as the light. Uh, Jesus is the light revealed. Jesus is the source of light, which results in physical and spiritual life. If you look at John 1, 1 to 4, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was that, uh, made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
Jesus is the source of physical life. It says in verse 3 that all things were made through him, and without him not anything was made uh, that was made. Uh, the immediate context is referring to Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, we find out that, that the triune God uh, created Adam and Eve. But even in the book of Genesis, you have this wonderful depiction of light and darkness. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And there was light. In John, it then moves to the physical life given to mankind. It says in John 1, 4, in him was life. But the rest of the book of John focuses not on our physical life, but on our spiritual and eternal life. And it refers to Jesus in light of that giving of spiritual or eternal life. Jesus said to uh, Martha on the death of Lazarus to comfort her, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus said to his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus, as the Son of God, is the source of truth or light concerning both God and mankind. For what does it mean when it declares that Jesus Christ is the light of men? Uh, Boyce says, and I quote, by this title, Jesus is revealed as the one who knows God the Father and makes him known to us. Light is a universal image for the illumination of the mind through understanding. So Jesus gives us understanding of who God is. And Jesus gives us understanding of ourselves. So what does it mean that he is the revealer of truth? Well, Jesus reveals the truth about God the Father. In John 1, 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus lived his life in such a way as to show forth the person of God the Father. The disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus came to, to show us the Father, to, to reveal the truth of the Heavenly Father. To reveal the truth of the Heavenly Father. And Jesus also reveals the truth about us. 
For he tells us in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The great illustration of Jesus being the light is given to us in the healing of the blind man. In John chapter 9, it says, As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, wild as day, night is coming when no end can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then to illustrate what that means, he gave sight to the blind man. He gave sight to the blind man. But he didn't just give physical sight to the blind man. He gave spiritual sight to the blind man. For in John chapter 9, the Pharisees are very upset uh, that uh, this, this blind man had, had been healed. And, and they were questioning him about the one who healed them, about Jesus. And initially, all he could say is, well, I don't know much about this man. All I know is that I was blind and now that I see. But Jesus took him aside and then instructed him more fully. After this poor blind man had been cast out of the temple by the uh, Pharisees, it says that Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered him, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard of these things and said to him, Are we so blind also? Jesus said to him, If you were not blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, We see your guilt remains. So when it's talking about giving us sight, it's giving us understanding. It's giving this ability to comprehend, this ability to believe in God. But unfortunately, all too often, this light is rejected. In John chapter 1, verse 5, that next verse in our text says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's an issue of translation here, and there's two strains of thought as to what this particular verse means. One train of thought uh, speaks of comprehension in terms of under, understanding to be able to uh, assimilate, if you will. Um, the other is the aspect to overcome. Um, the analogy of light and darkness throughout the book of John the, the darkness isn't just the absence of light. Normally when you think of darkness, that's what darkness is. Darkness is the absence of, of light. But in the book of John, it's not just the mere absence of light, but it's evil. It's opposition to the light. Uh, it's evil. The darkness, uh, D.A. Carson says, is not only absence of light, but positive evil. The light is not only revelation bound up with creation, but with salvation. So I'd like you to look at another place where this 
aspect of light is demonstrated. If you turn to John chapter 3, verse 16 and following. First, I'm going to read the verses, and then I'm going to go through them verse by verse, starting with verse 16. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV. I know many people know this in the King James, but I'm reading from the ESV. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but, uh, excuse me, I just read that. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Notice the word light in verse 19. People love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. It does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. And then verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So I'd like to work through those verses with you quickly verse by verse, to point out what it says in relation to this light. Well, it tells us, first of all, that God sent his Son into the world that whosoever would believe in him would pass from judgment into everlasting life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's this road of destruction that we are on. There's this road of damnation, this road of perishing. But he sent his son into the world to save us from destruction, to save us from perishing, to save us from hell. God did not send his son to condemn us, but rather to save us. It says that God did not send his son to the world to bring condemnation, verse 17. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. The person who believes in Jesus is no longer condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, right? It's not going to be judged. It's not going to be found faulty before God. But the person who fails to believe in Jesus continues in condemnation, verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. I think that's in a very important statement that I want to, to think about with you for a few moments this morning. That statement that whoever does not believe is condemned already. You see, failing to believe in Jesus does not place us in a state of condemnation. Failing to believe in Jesus is not the reason that people perish. It is not the reason that people are separated from God. The reason that people perish is because they are already condemned. They are already sinful. 
They already have a problem. That's why it says when God sent his son into the world, he did not send him to condemn the world. A person doesn't need to even hear about Jesus to be condemned. That's why we send missionaries around the world. That's why we are praying for uh, the uh, Riddells this morning. That's why we go to people who have never heard. That's why we say you need to witness. If the reason that people are condemned is because they rejected Jesus, then it would be better off not to tell people about Jesus. It'd be better off that they'd never heard so that they're not going to be condemned. That's not why they're condemned. They're condemned already. Believing in Jesus is the way out of condemnation, but it's not the way into condemnation. Notice verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, meaning that they continue in their condemnation because they do not believe. The only way out is belief. But the failure to believe is not the way in. We're already in this state of condemnation. The reason for judgment is the people's love for evil deeds. Notice verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. One of the pictures of uh, light is that it exposes. Uh, Light brings to the forefront. Light makes things clear as opposed to darkness where things can be hid. So what Jesus did in his coming is he shed light on the world exposing mankind's sinfulness. Jesus revealed in very penetrating ways the sinfulness of even the Pharisees who viewed themselves as self-righteous, who viewed themselves as holy, who viewed themselves many times as blameless in the sight of God, but they were far from blameless. They were far from holy. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. No man is righteous and holy before God on their own merits, on their own goodness. And so Jesus exposed that. Uh, Jesus revealed people's thoughts. Jesus revealed people's attitudes. Jesus taught that it's not just about external things even. It's even internal things. He taught that even to look upon a woman with lust is the same as committing adultery. He taught that it was more than just even outward acts. It was inner attitudes. It was inner corruption. He taught that all of us were sinful and were in need of a Savior. And so he came to be that Savior, to pay for that sinfulness, and to give us life through his death and resurrection. But notice, it says in verse 20, Why people reject Jesus. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. 
So they want to stay hidden. They, they want to stay obscure. It's kind of like an image of, uh, imagine uh, in Louisiana. My, my sister lives in Louisiana, and cockroaches in Louisiana are just an incredible difficulty. No matter how clean you try to keep your house, these cockroaches, they're miserable things, somehow work their way in. And you flip on a light, and all of a sudden, everything scurries. You know? It just heads for the hills. Uh, it just repulsed by that, that light. Well, the scripture says <coughs> that in our sinfulness, that's our natural response. That when we come exposed to the light, we want to run from it. We don't want to admit our sinfulness. We, we don't want to take the medicine that is offered because we don't want to believe that we're sick. We don't want to believe that we're ill. We don't want to believe that we aren't acceptable in our own merits, in our own goodness. We don't like to be told that we are sinners. <coughs> but the scripture says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then it talks about the light revealed, verse 46. Uh, excuse me, the light received. That was the light rejected. John 3.21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The believer in the Lord Jesus Christ embraces the light. They, they come to the light. Rather than run from it, they're actually attracted to it. You know, the cockroaches flee. The moths are drawn to and circle the light. The moths love the light. And here, the, the person who believes is a person who's drawn to that light, who gladly embraces what Jesus teaches us concerning God and concerning ourselves. Instead of hiding from the light, we welcome the light. What does that look like? Well, first of all, it means that instead of trying to cover up our sins, instead of trying to sweep them under the rug, <laughs> instead of trying to pretend that we are people that we're not, and that we do things in secret, we do things in darkness, we do things in hiding, we do things when we're alone that we won't do when people are present. And we do things that we're dreadfully concerned that others are gonna find out about. And we take great pains to cover up. Instead of going through that charade of trying to put on a good veneer and present ourselves as righteous and holy people, we acknowledge our sinfulness. We say it's true. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. I've done bad things in my life of which I need to be forgiven. And there's no way to be forgiven other than through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it begins with confession. 
But it's even more than that. For the child of God actually welcomes God's uh, revealing to us our sinful hearts. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus said that those who walk not in darkness but in the light. We want to walk in the light. We, we want God to search our hearts. We want God to point out to us our failings so that we might do better. So that we might live more to his honor and to his glory. We welcome. And yes, we actually sit and tolerate week after week listening to messages that reveal to us our sinfulness so that we can confess it. So we can seek God's help in and, and trying to do better. To honor him with our lives. For notice what else it says. In John chapter 3 verse uh, 21. But whoever does uh, what is true comes to light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. There is this revelation in verse 21 that these good deeds are not deeds that we bring, but deeds that have been carried out as a result of God's work in my life. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Ephesians 5, it says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. There's this wonderful transformation that takes place. That now there are good deeds that we are doing. Not just evil deeds. And these good deeds are carried out by God. There's a, a play on words that is found in verse 21. And that is we bring to light, make it clear and plain that the change that has taken place in our lives is the result of God's activity. We are different people after we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are coming to him. We are seeking to glorify him. We are basking in his light, as, as it were. So in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14, it says this. You are the light of the world, referring to believers. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So that people can see the transformation. And what is the reason for the transformation? It's because of the life that Jesus gives. It's because of the ability he gives for us to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God the Father. So this light that Jesus gives can either be received or rejected. 
It can either be welcomed and embraced, or it can be run from and hid from. And we can believe that we are hiding in safety, but we're not. We're not. For you're not in no man's land this morning. You're not in a place of indifference today. You are either in a place of condemnation or in a place of full acceptance. The condemnation is not because you haven't believed in Jesus. The condemnation is because of the sinfulness that we all manifest, the reality of our own wrongdoing that we have been doing for years. That is our condemnation. Now, when we hear that, we can either run from that, we can try to put that out of our minds, we can try to put that out of our hearts, but we can't overcome it. The light can't be overcome. It's there. It's truth. It's reality. And if it weren't, Jesus would never have come into this world. So we can either reject it, or we can receive it, we can welcome it, we can embrace it. And it begins by saying, yes, it's true. It's true. I am a sinner. It's true. I need forgiveness. It's true. Jesus was sent to obtain that forgiveness for me. It's true. I believe and accept the forgiveness that God gives me through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I embrace that light. I am thankful for that truth. I identify with it. I say, yes, Lord, that is what you say, and that corresponds to reality. I want to be forgiven. You come to the light, and when you do, you become part of that light. And you begin to demonstrate and point to others the Lord Jesus Christ, so that they too can experience the forgiveness of sins and enjoy peace with God. And so as you look at these Christmas lights this morning and you think even of the Advent candle, when you ponder the, the lights of Christmas, I, I, I hope that it will just cause you to reflect upon the true light, which is Jesus Christ who came into this world to reveal our sinfulness and to reveal the way of forgiveness and acceptance through his own death and resurrection so that we can have eternal life. So my simple thought to you is twofold. First, where are you? Are you in a state of condemnation or in a state of forgiveness? Embrace the light. Accept the forgiveness that God offers you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you st stand in a state of enlightenment, <laughs> if you stand in state of belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, then walk in that light. Fellowship in that light. Be a participant in that light. Let that light so shine that your heavenly Father might be glorified in your good deeds. Let's pray.
Our Father, uh, we come before you today asking for the salvation of each and every one that is here this morning. I so wish and desire that I could pray and simply pray that everyone here is saved. But I can't. Lord, I, I do pray that everyone here today would place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That this Christmas would be a Christmas of enlightenment. That it would be embracing the light. That we wouldn't run from it. We wouldn't scatter. We wouldn't try to hide. We wouldn't be cockroaches this morning. That flee from the truth. But Lord, help us to be willing to accept our need of a savior. May we be like moths. May we be drawn to you. May we welcome and embrace the true Christmas message. May we sing with gusto, with joy, of the birth of a savior who came to bring us to God so we'd have peace with God and life everlasting. May each and every person place their faith and trust in Lord Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you would like to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you just quickly raise your hand? I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm not asking you to do anything. But would you just raise your hand and say, yes, I embrace that light. I embrace that truth. Uh, I, I want to experience the forgiveness of my sins. Would you raise your hand quickly just so I can see it? Uh, I can acknowledge it. Uh, Lord, we, we pray and we just ask for your mercy and grace uh, to be manifested in the lives of each one. I pray you'd strive and uh, give faith to those who lack it and those that know you as Lord and Savior. Uh, may we be ever more drawn to the light of the Lord Jesus. May we be glad that our sins have been exposed and that we enjoy forgiveness. You know us inside and out. You know our thoughts, even afar off. Nothing is hidden from you. And yet we do not need to be ashamed. <laughs> we do not need to be embarrassed. We do not need to be afraid. If we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, for he came to forgive us, to save us, to love us, to welcome us. Help us to accept that light and not know the fear and the misery and the heartache and the unpleasantness of hiding our sin. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.